Well, I am delighted to say that uh, joining me on the Godcast today is Reverend Canon Sarah Jones. Now, Sarah is an Anglican priest and is is actually the priest in charge in the city parish of St John the Baptist in Cardiff, but is also an honorary canon at uh, Clandaff Cathedral. Sarah was previously rector of Ross and White and Walford and Brampton Abbots in the Diocese of Hereford and was the first person to have made a gender change and then be recommended for training for ordination within the Church of England. Sarah, quite a long introduction, but lovely to welcome you to the Godcast. How are you? I'm fine, thanks, Alex. Yes, absolutely. And thanks for inviting me. A pleasure. Where, whereabouts are you, Sarah? Are you down in Cardiff this morning? Yep, central Cardiff. Um, the vicarage actually is just about a mile from the city centre, a mile from the church, uh, because we couldn't quite get the the, the vicarage to be right in 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 town. But uh, I'm as, about as close to the city centre as uh, as you can get. And the, the church, St John's, is absolutely smack bang in the centre of Cardiff. So is it is it an attraction for tourists? Do you see lots of uh, tourists visit? Yeah, definitely. Um, in my predecessor um, added added them all up uh, on a little survey and um, reckoned that there was about a thousand people a week uh, come through the doors. The last couple of years with the pandemic, we've actually been shut apart from when we're having services, mm. um, largely because as a city centre church, you know, you open the doors, people tumble in, various of them in, in, in various kind of, you know, I don't know, under the influence of various things. And that's normally great. You know, we just love meeting mm. uh, people like that. But we just really felt we couldn't keep the place hygienic and safe. Um, so we're open at a limited amount of time at the moment. But we're just beginning to reopen now because um, so many tourists and so many local people would normally be popping in. Yeah. Oh, well, we'll perhaps come back to that in a little while. Let's just uh, let's go back, Sarah, to, to maybe you as a young person were, were you were you raised in a in a christian environment was church a familiar thing for you as a young person oh yeah very much so uh my mother was a a, a roman catholic and uh, took me to church uh, from as as young as i can remember and um it all just made sense to me i mean it, it you know age appropriate of course but it really did you know every week and hearing the the stories from the Gospels or the or, or the readings from either of the Testaments, it just really sank into my heart. And this idea that it's not all about us, that there's something beyond us, that there's a, a common purpose and ideas of goodness, justice, mercy, it all just was there for me. And it's um, throughout my life, it's it's been quite a, a stable commitment. Yeah. And, and so you were you were proactive in the church where you can you recall some of the things you did? Just tell us a bit about what you did in church. Yeah, well, I, I um, well, we were we were lucky. Really. We sat at the front, which was very nice. So even as a kind of six year old, I saw everything. You know, I saw the priest going around the altar and all of this kind of business. And it was a small church. So uh, I, I, you know, I, I really felt part of it. Um, I, I served uh, at the altar, you know, in my in my in my teens. Uh, I read lessons. Uh, I played guitar. So um, in school, uh, I was part of the kind of guitar worship band. Um, so yeah, it's been it it was quite important. Um, yeah. And then you know, um, gradually, much as I loved my 
um, Roman Catholic uh, kind of upbringing in terms of the faith, I, um, I bumped into the Church of England and I mean, this is going to sound really, really, really dull, but I just fell in love with with the Church of England, and, and this was in the ASB, the old the old the, the the kind of 1980s service, which so many people say, oh my word, you know that wasn't as good as what we have now or what we had before it. Um, the first church service I went to in the Church of England, uh, I went with a boyfriend actually, and um, I just thought, what is this? This is, gosh, this is so important. So I kind of began my move towards Anglicanism and now I'm a very happy Anglican yeah and and how how early in your life were you thinking about potentially becoming a priest was it was it there from a from a young age or, or did it kind of creep up creep up on you later in life no no it it, it was it was there early um so you you have to remember now I was brought up as a Roman Catholic and I have made a gender change so I was brought up as a boy and that, that's like really hard for me to to say and and, and think uh, but anyway so uh, when I was about seven or eight I had said to my mum and my mum told my dad that I thought that I would like to be a priest and bless him I remember my dad taking me aside and saying very kind of um, I don't know authoritar uh, authoritatively I didn't bring you into this world to waste your life as a priest. <laughs> and so, oh my word, gosh. And then, of course, um, as I grew up, I became more aware of my, shall we say, conflicts of, of gender identity or sexuality. And I did sort of feel, obviously, that there was no chance of ministry for me. So you kind of get on with life, don't you? And then, long story short, uh, when I made my agenda change, I, I really thought, although I was an Anglican by then, um, I really thought that, I mean, I said to God, well, I've done it now, haven't I? You know, there's, there's no chance of being ordained. And yet God had other plans. Mm. And just, just talking about that, that um, conflict of, of matters there regarding your gender, was that a, was that a wrestling period for you with your faith? Were you, you know, were, were you were you ever was your faith ever challenged by your your situation that you find yourself in? Well, um, it was challenged, but I mean, I think our faith should challenge us every day on pretty much everything, anyway. Um, but you know, specifically about sexuality and gender. So when I went to primary school, I mean, I was an only child, um, and so I didn't have anything to compare myself to, but. As soon as I got to school, I mean, literally in the first year or two, I realized I just somehow was more one of the girls and one of the boys, more feminine than masculine, more female than male, however one would put it. And I had to wrestle with this as I grew up. So as I was beginning to bring this to faith, I, when I realized that I thought I might have a problem and that I might actually have to do something about it. In other words, make a change. I did have to interrogate my faith and spirituality. So I did have to look at the passages. You know, there are passages in Deuteronomy, you know, um, um, uh, a man shall not wear women's clothes, a woman shall not wear man's clothes. Um, 
there are even more pointed uh, passages than that. And I had to look at those and say, look, if I really believe that, I even just take Genesis, you know, um, uh, male and female, you know, God, God made them uh, uh, male and female right at the beginning of the Bible. If I took those passages seriously in the understanding that a lot of people have of them at face value, reading in English, then did I have the license to make a gender change or should I just be unhappy for all my life and say, well, I don't know why this has happened, but I can't do anything that God would disapprove of. So I did begin a very long and slow ex, you know, uh, exploration, let's say, of passages, faith and stuff. I went on retreats, I spoke to people, I read things. So yeah, I did have to. Um, I, I I did have to take that very seriously. Yeah, and I suppose alongside that relationship with God, there is that there is that relationship with your your friends and your loved ones and your family. Can you remember the first person you shared with when you that you thought when you said you were thinking about uh, your gender and, and changing identity? Just tell us about that, Sarah, please. Do you know, I'm, I'm honestly not sure who I shared it with first. Um, it could have been a doctor or a, or a counsellor. Um, I can tell you a few encounters. I, I, I don't know which would be the first, but um, um, I did um, I did go on retreat uh, uh, when I, you know, I, I kind of got to a stage, you know, at the beginning, it was just something that was in me, which wasn't much of a problem. I was more feminine than than anyone realized but there are advantages to that you know I got on great with the women in the office and uh, uh, one or two guys thought I must be some kind of dark horse you know having you know lots of uh, uh, relationships with with women and the truth were was that we were more just uh, women together you know but anyway there were there were advantages to to that but it got to the stage where it was it almost became pressurizing me it became the biggest single thing in my life and I didn't feel I could go on mm. so I went on retreat and um maybe some of your your vis uh, you know your viewers will know that there's often a warden of a retreat house and in those days there were usually quite old priests who'd done a, a lot of service and and um so when I went there I got offered the chance to speak to the warden and I wasn't particularly hopeful I mean what's the chances that that some old priest which I had picked at random uh, might give me anything sensible about a gender change you know most people mm. this was in the 1980s most people had never really heard of it and I was there for three days and um, on the first day he said well I don't really know but um, let's talk tomorrow and the next day and we'll see where we go and I borrowed a book of his um, uh, Merton I remember I wanted to read some, something of Merton and um, uh, on the last day, he said to me, he said, I don't know, Sarah, he said, I, uh, I don't know a lot about this, but it seems to me that what you are is God's gift to you and what you become is your gift to God. And I just thought, oh, my word, you yeah. know, this is a really quite long retired priest with no specialism in any of this stuff and he has just said the most amazing thing you know yeah. he was saying don't do anything frivolous but look 
what you are is 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 what god's given you now how can you be the best possible disciple and if you really think that means you have to change your gender then maybe it's on so i mean i was just kind of bowled over by that and you know 35 years later or whatever it is 40 years later i'm still i'm still thinking about that so yeah, yeah I mean, a, there were lots of encounters along the way what a wonderful encouragement though from that that man who he, you oh. clearly never never forget oh amazing and to this day it was in lawn Abbey in leicestershire and i only went there because it was in the old days for the internet so i just had a book and i rang mm. around every retreat center in alphabetical order and said i'd like to go on retreat and they said yeah when do you want to come and i said no no i need to come now and lawn was the first place that had a space yeah yeah so totally random or maybe not maybe not yes <laughs> indeed sarah um and when it and when you uh when it was revealed to the world in your smaller context and the wider context how was that was that was that a difficult period of time for you did you get much resistance were there were there christians who were critical of you just just tell us through yeah. tell us through that little period of your life yeah well so i i took about nine years uh, from the early to mid 80s through to the early 90s before I made my gender change. I took a lot of time. And in the end, I made it because I felt it was absolutely actually the only thing I could do. It, it, it was me. So when I made my change after the first few weeks, honestly, I pretty much forgot about it. Um, it was so natural to me that I just went about my life and I forgot about it completely. And the only way I can kind of explain it to anyone who doesn't know about gender changes is, you know, if you're really happily married and you've been happily married for, I don't know, five, six years, and someone says, are you single or married? You just automatically say, yeah, I'm married. You know, um, you don't, you can think back to when you were single, but you, there's no debate in your mind. You, you know what you are, blah, blah, blah. So, um, I had pretty much forgotten for all intents and purposes about my gender change. I was just getting on with life and it didn't come into conversation, didn't come up. When I offered myself for ordination, I did say at my very, very first interview, um, I did tell them about my gender change. Um, I mean, it would have come out anyway, but I just thought it was better to say right at the beginning and the interview had gone quite well. And I thought, well, if I don't say anything now, it'll be kind of disrespectful of the first person that interviewed me, you know? Mm. So the church knew the whole way along. And there I was in the diocese of Hereford. It's the most rural diocese in the church of England. And some people might think that that would be a bit of a rural backwater, you know, full of really kind of reactionary views. Mm. And it really wasn't the, 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 the diocese said, well, we've no idea what to do. We've no idea what's possible, but give us some time. We'll talk it through with the Church of England. We'll talk it through with the diocese and we'll go back. You'll get back to, you know. So they put me in the system. So all the way along, the church authorities knew about my background. What I didn't know is that there were three or four other people in the system just a little bit behind me in terms of time. So I think the Church of England knew that it needed to make some decisions. 
And eventually they decided that if I had a vocation, there was no reason why someone who had made a gender change should not be ordained as long as you met all of the criteria. So I got ordained. It wasn't a topic for open conversation because it was my private business mm -hmm. and we didn't want a media storm, but everyone who needed to know knew there was no deceit or anything. So I'm sitting at my desk about eight months into the job on a Friday and I get a phone call from a freelance journalist working for a national newspaper who says these are are these your old details they had my old name various bits about me um i'd very i'd been very deliberately outed um so the the way it came out really was that there was going to be a national newspaper story and yes that was that was quite traumatic because a lot of the people in my life didn't know about my change why why would they need to the parishioners didn't know again why would they need to you know they needed to know could i bury someone could i preach properly did i did i love them um so we had a lot of people to tell in a in a very short period of time and of course as anyone who has ever been outed in the media will tell you, um, one of the things you can't control is what everybody else thinks. So, you know, I was a, a, a curate, an assistant priest in a market town. Um, everybody knew me. It wasn't like a city um, wherever I went. Everyone knew who I was. And I was then faced with how do I leave the front door tomorrow? Because as soon as I step out, every single person, mm -hmm. whether they're 10 or, or 91, will have heard on numerous channels about my personal medical history. And they'll all have opinions. You know, some of them might be, oh, that's great. And some of them might be, poof, it's a bit odd, but okay. And others might just take against you. So no, it was very, very worrying. Mm. And did you, did you, and what was it like walking out of the door, you know, on that, that, well, that morning after? Just tell us about that. Yeah, well, I practiced. So the Friday <laughs> I got the phone call and the journalist wanted to come up straight away. And we managed to say to him, look, it's Friday. The services are all on Sunday. What if we gave you an interview with the Bishop of Hereford? And Sarah, at the Bishop's Palace, you get an exclusive interview for one hour. And they went for that, which was great. That allowed us to do the Sunday services. It allowed us, I was in a team of 14 parishes, which meant that we were able to get round all of the church wardens and all of the people who would need to know. So that was good of the paper. And... Uh, then the interview was on the Monday and then they didn't publish. So I, I got up Tuesday morning and had to go down to the newspaper shop, bought the, the newspaper and, and I wasn't in there. And the next day I had to do the same thing. So you're living waiting for the axe to fall. Mm. So what I did was I walked up and down the streets of Ross on Y. There's only about three main streets. And I walked up and down, up and down. And there's people smiling at me and looking at me and making eye contact and all of this. And I'm thinking, right, just imagine this is three days' time. 
how will this be? Practice, practice, practice. So anyway, when I did step out, it was a bit weird, but what could I do? I wasn't ashamed of what I'd done. I'd taken 30 years to get to that point and nine of them actively trying to um, trying to make a decision. The change was maybe 10 or 12 years or something in the past. So it wasn't something I'd done a few weeks before. So I was comfortable in who I was. Um, so I stepped out. Um, a couple of people kind of crossed over and clearly didn't want to see me. Um, a couple of people were clearly trying to work out, oh, my word, there she is. Uh, uh, how do we? Uh, one or two people made a very obvious attempt at greeting me and smiling and, and everything. So um, on the whole, the reception was very good. Um, a couple of people were not so happy, but by and large, the people of of the, the towns stood by me because they had known me first as a person. But it was very worrying, yeah. And it was also very upsetting for some of my friends because people were probably saying to them, well, you know, you've known her and how come you never said anything? And so th there's a wide shadow when these things happen. Yeah. And and how do you respond, Sarah? And, and, and do you engage with those who are... Uh, who would be radically opposed to what you have done um, and, and your ministry? You know, um, I'm, I'm part of inclusive church and, and we would embrace you and, and I'd, I'd love you to come maybe to Burnley one time and preach for us. But, but how, you know, how do you rationalize that other side of the church where it can get quite vociferous and it can get quite personal? Just, just talk us through that, please. Yeah, uh, well, uh, you know, uh, as maybe m many of your um, viewers will know, um, in the Church of England, Church of Wales, the Anglican Church, you're you're ordained, if you like, twice. You're ordained as a deacon first, and then about a year later, often, people are ordained as priests. So my outing happened um, between the two. So when I was ordained priest, there were some hardline conservative evangelicals actually on the radio saying that I should not be ordained and that this was because I was going to be the first first one of course um and so there was a very public um kind of this this is really not not this is something that should not happen so it it does hurt it is difficult my my instinct is to engage um, I don't think there's much chance of convincing anyone on this subject if they if they start particularly anti, if they really think that this is um, evil or wrong or desperately sinful or or I'm desperately ill or whatever. Um, I don't think there's much chance of having one. Uh, friendly conversation and then, and then them saying do you know what I've changed my mind so I but still engaging is really important connecting hearing what they have to say and I think just being real to people so I generally try and engage I don't engage with trolls although occasionally I do respond to an angry or aggressive or or mildly abusive communication um but it's always in the hope 
of saying, look, you're my brother or you're my sister. Uh, we're all in this together. Let's let's connect because actually, like it or not, uh, we are all part of one family. Mm. So that's how I mean, one of the things I'd love to do, to be fair, would be go to an evangelical type conference and um, and basically say, hi, uh, here I am. Um, let's talk. Let me listen to your great fire some questions. Let's do this mm. nicely. I'd kind of like to do that. And I think sometimes I should, if I was a bit more organized, I'd try and get an invitation to do that. Yeah, I think that's that's um, that's very admirable, Sarah, you know, to put yourself in that firing line because it can it can get quite charged, can't it? And and the views are, are very, are very strongly held by some they, some people. They, they are. Um, but one of the things that gives me strength, though, um, apart from the fact that honestly, you know, I mean, how can any of us really know whether we're doing God's will uh, okay so we look at the bible we we pray and have a relationship with god we try and see what other people have done or are doing and and all of this kind of stuff but it's not as if god actually gives us totally uncontro you know incontroversial kind of evidence we're, we're reaching towards this so this is a lot of our lives are educated dedicated best guess and i honestly think that's where i am with this you yeah. know um so we'll we'll kind of see where we go but it gives me strength and the other thing that gives me strength is that um whenever i have been doing things in the media i get letters or or emails or something phone call maybe from someone who says thank god i saw you because and then they either say, you know, their sister, their brother, their dad, their child, whatever it is. So being visible, although I'm visible because I was outed, um, being visible on this issue actually, I think, is very helpful for other people because there's a lot of people in this situation. Yeah. And I, I, another, you know. Yeah. And, I, yeah. and also, also, so I think it's very helpful to people who who creates a stereotype, you know, who they, who they create uh, a perception of, of, of uh, what a, a transgender priest is or will be like. And, and I think it's, it's fantastic that you're, you know, that you're prepared to speak in a public forum about, about these matters. Um, just, um, so you're, you're now, you, you kind of left the church of England. You didn't, you didn't travel too far, but you, you now, uh, by borders are now part of the Church of Wales. Has has that been a, a, a big difference? Can, are the differences between the two churches clearly identifiable? I mean, I, I know that the Church of Wales is is progressing uh, at pace with with the intent to uh, bless same sex relationships. But but other than that, or as well as that, what are the key differences that you've observed? Well, um, I I ended up in the Church in Wales. Um, because of the post that I saw advertised. So, you know, some people are looking to move to a particular part of the United Kingdom or wherever. That wasn't where I was. I was, I'd, I'd been in my previous parish for a long time. I was looking for a new post and um, uh, this particular post got advertised, it was central Cardiff. And I thought, okay, it looked 
there was something about a call in it so i i applied and 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 got the job um, the church in wales is very like the church um uh, of england uh, uh but um you're right it is forgive me if if this comes across in the wrong way but it's quite a bit ahead of the church uh, of england in terms of um um uh, inclusivity and diversity for matters of sexuality and gender mm -hmm. all of the bishops have signed up to say um, very firmly that um, uh, people's sexuality and their gender identity are, on, are, are to be celebrated and embraced and it's about being disciples not whether you're straight or or, 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 or usually gendered or cisgendered as the, the terminology yeah. might be. So in many ways, it has been very, very good. And being the vicar of a city centre church, um, you know, they were, they're very happy for me to be reaching out into what I would call the queer community in all sorts of ways. It's part of the things they want me to do. And I know there are places in the Church of England where that would be possible. Um, I dearly love the Church of England. I, I my identity until I until I moved to this post was I am a Church of England priest. I mean that was the thing. I mean, okay, yeah, you know, I'm an Anglican or Episcopalian. I or or strip that back even more. You know, I am a priest. But actually, it came with the phrase Church of England. I am a Church of England priest. That was my that was what I felt was my ontological state. Yeah. Um, but the church in Wales has been lovely for me and the Diocese of Clandaff in particular is incredibly supportive of people. What they're caring about is our discipleship, our journey of faith. Mm, yeah. And so, yes, no, it's um, it's much smaller, um, more of a family atmosphere because it's smaller um, as a diocese. It doesn't or as a province, even I think the Church of England has some possibilities and some training and some infrastructure that the church in Wales doesn't have. But no, I'm very happy here. Yeah. So it's been a real pleasure chatting to you today. Just um, just a couple of final questions. Well, you know, um, Ross, you talked about three main streets uh, is a bit different to city centre Cardiff. Just tell me what it is you're loving about now living and working in a big city like Cardiff. Yeah, I, I I absolutely love the diversity uh, of of Cardiff as a city, anyway. And when you know our congregation now is very diverse, we've got people on in in all points of the graph. You know, whether it's socioeconomic or or, or educational or in terms of uh, gender or sexuality. So I like that. I like the fact that that reflects Cardiff. I like the buzz. I like the fact that I can be involved in things which are big issues for society. So, you know, speaking to uh, people who are addicted and literally outside our gates, you know, begging for money, uh, speak, you know, trying to do a little bit of work with homeless uh, shelters and addiction agencies and things like that. So I, I, I love the fact that it's very much kind of, you know, dust, slightly dusty shoes. Uh, uh, that's that's really really good and I absolutely loved my time in my previous parish and I loved it so much that I did not want to go anywhere that looked like it because <laughs> had I been 
in a, in in another market town yeah. i would just have stood there well this isn't this isn't ross and why this yeah. isn't Wolford. this isn't brampton abbots so the change into city center did me a lot of good you know and and i'm very pleased about that yeah and excited about the future yeah very much I, but i've no idea what the future will hold i mean i i i genuinely have no idea um uh so i have a very short horizon I'm not ambitious and I don't plan ahead. Um, I tend to just think in terms of terms, um, you know, what can we do in the next three months or six months? And of yeah. course I have, a, I have a slightly longer term plan for the church I'm in, but not a personal plan. I'm not thinking, oh, well, you know, I'll do this for this year and then we'll, and then it just, I'm happy to let that kind of unfold yeah. which is odd because by nature i'm a planner i like to okay. organize okay but not in terms of ministry in terms of what what the future might be yeah fabulous and if uh, people want to find out more about you and your church where, where can they do that i am having been outed in the media i'm so easy to find if <laughs> anyone goes into any search engine and puts uh sarah jones trans priest or rev sarah jones in usually it's the first hit on these search engines um and uh, so they can connect there uh, and that will saint john's church cardiff is is our church but i'm on twitter also so yep no i'm incredibly easy to find and um by all means you know and i, and I speak to organizations and groups you know um uh in industry which is which is just incredibly good for me and they seem to enjoy it as well um because the church isn't known for being a bastion of diversity and inclusivity so when a vicar comes and talks about these things people enjoy it and i i enjoy doing those talks so um you know if anyone wants to consider contacting me and saying well you know would you would you come and do a talk um i'm always happy to talk about possible uh, events or, or or projects i think it's important wonderful well it's it's been a, a real pleasure Sarah talking to you today and uh, and I wish you well and we send our love from Burnley have you is Burnley a place you've ever frequented have you been to Burnley Sarah um many years ago I used to be a folk musician and so on uh gigs and stuff um uh, I, I but I think the nearest I got to Burnley was probably the north bits of Manchester in some of the the clubs there yeah, um, yeah. but I've never been to Burnley but at the oh. moment I'm keeping quite an eye on Burnley Football Club uh, because my club, my dad came from Liverpool. I'm an Evertonian. So <laughs> Everton, Leeds and Burnley are slugging it out <laughs> not to be relegated. So, yes. <laughs> um, but I'm a great admirer of what Sean Dyche and Burnley have done over the years. Yeah, yeah. Wonderful. Oh, okay, Sarah. So thank you so much for coming on the Godcast. And uh, anybody wants to catch any more interviews, um, Almost as simple, simply, simply finding Sarah. Just uh, Google the Godcast, and you'll find lots of interviews there. So for now, thank you for watching, and uh, we send our love to you all. Goodbye.